Well, hello, everybody. This is Reanimated, podcast about zombies. My name is Stuart. I'm in California. Joining me from New York, H.J. Conrad. Hello. Hello. Hi. What's up? Uh, how is sunny Brooklyn? And not so sunny today, but overall, pretty good. We've been having uh, kind of amazing fall times here. It makes you feel like Halloween is just around the corner. Um, we had an absolutely like kind of like that, you know, like that kind of crisp fall air going on here. So that was kind of cool. But today it all w- was washed away by some kind of tropical storm. Vest. Yeah, you got a got a yeah, another big one coming at you. Yeah. Yeah. This one's further north. This is not a, a Floridian one. Yeah. Actually, wasn't there like a a hurricane that like basically landed in uh, New England last week? Uh, so Earlier this week? It landed in part of So it mainly hit like Maine um and that environs um i have to say you know where where i grew up and and vermont thankfully didn't have quite so much of a hit up from that thing thank goodness because they've basically had like nothing but rain and uh there's been a huge issue actually um in that the amount of rain that they have gotten like sort of like the last six months has been so intense like from various storms and things including these wonderful little you know tropical storm hurricane things um that like trees are falling down randomly because it's sort of like the root systems are just too soggy or something so hopefully that stops soon um but it's uh definitely um um it's it's hope i i don't know like i hope nobody gets really uh hit by by any more of this stuff but you know it's tis the season i guess Hurricane and Apparently. wildfire season, and for you, you're having like everything. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got our first as- atmospheric river lining up off of the <laughs> off of the coast, coming down from Alaska. It's the good kind. The bad ones are the ones that come up from the equator because they come with uh, monsoonal uh, elements like lightning, and that start that can set off wildfires themselves. But this one's coming from the north, tends not to have as much lightning, and uh, should be a day of rain. And I'm looking forward to that. It hasn't rained here in many moons. So uh, enough weather talk. Um, yeah, I know how people love that. Anyway, wow. uh, but no, no. And I mean, you know, as we're we're talking about. What, what are we talking about? We're talking about the, the Halloween season, the gloomy season, the, the sort of seasonal, like, you know, getting ready for fall kind of thing. Um, normally. Is, we- today the, is, is Fall has officially begun, I think, hasn't it? Yep. We're there. We made it. 21st. We got there. Um, but, um, you know, we usually see a lot of news items and other stuff leading in the ramp up to Halloween. And maybe it's a little early yet. Yeah, I think we might be still on the cusp of when we would expect to see a glut. But we certainly aren't seeing anything close to a glut. We're seeing very little slash nothing. Right. Um, but. I think you made a good point earlier um, before we started recording that this could be a something to do with the the SAG and writer strike, and that could be true because often some of these little, like smaller projects and things like that kind of like are they're sort of waiting in the wings and then they're put out there, and it may be that they're there and we're just not seeing press because a lot of people aren't allowed to sort of do the press junkets or whatever, and so I think um, maybe we'll do a little more digging. Maybe it's just the dearth of stuff. And it'll hop in next week. Um, but we shall see what happens. Um, yeah, I had a thought, uh, an idle thought earlier that um, perhaps a silver lining of the strike would be that they will green light and 
expedite a season three of Kingdom. I don't know if that's even remotely possible. That show probably takes a lot to put on, given how, uh, you know, it's a period piece. It's got millions of extras, et cetera, and, and South Korea. Maybe they have other things that they're working on. Uh, but, uh, you know, a man can hope. A man can dream. Mm-hmm. Certainly, there is no news about a Kingdom three, a Kingdom season three, nor a Black Summer season three, and that is even further away from being possible at this point. Yeah, given that it's been two years since season two came out, is that possible? Two more than two years? Really? Wow, that's I think so. crazy. Yeah, I mean that cast is—they're not going to stick around forever, uh, mm-hmm. if they're even still around. But I'm going to stop holding my breath for that one. At least we have Zom 100 Bucket List of the Dead to fall back on after Daryl Dixon is done. <laughs> um, anyway. I will say this, though, about the Kingdom stuff is that often, and this is what we found before, they are working on some things and then suddenly they'll be like, hey, by the way, we have this whole fully finished project. And I think that's yeah. why you and I had our hopes a little bit was like, maybe they're actually working on this and we just don't know about it. I don't know. The fir- Yeah, the first time... The season one kingdom news dropped. It was like at the beginning of the year. Uh, I forget what year it was. They're like, and it's coming out in two weeks. They're like, oh, yep. that's great. So, so Look at those floppy hats. That'll happen. Maybe that'll happen. Um, and yeah. I, and I'll, I'll continue to hold on a little bit of hope for that. But in the meantime, we have one piece of news out of uh, out of Japan, but an English language project, which is pretty rare. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's so it's going to be a mockumentary film by uh, headlined by Japanese comedian Shinagawa Hiroshi. And uh, the title of the project is Among the Dead. And it's going to be like a bi-coastal production with uh, at least one American involved in the creation of it. And it's about um, so it's a mockumentary about a guy who decides to go live among the zombies and you know what you, you got me there I'll, I'll i'll check in i'll check it out and one of the guys from one cut of the dead is involved also so that's that's good uh heritage right there i don't know i'll check this thing out i it's, it's a good news tidbit so we'll, we'll uh we'll get to it yeah i'm not sure what the re- potential release date is but it, this is in variety which tends to report things quite early so we'll uh, we'll we'll see if we can follow it uh, as it goes through among the dead. Not certainly I wouldn't expect it this year. We'll look for more news in 2024. <laughs> uh, which takes us to the main the main course, which was uh, episode two of Daryl uh, the Walking Dead, Daryl Dixon, Alouette, or Alouetta, as we say in the song. I can't say it without pronouncing the e, which you're not supposed to do. This was directed by Daniel Percival, written by Jason Richmond and David Zabel. Have you noticed they're not doing an after show explication? Feels yeah, like the first time in a while they haven't done one. So, yeah, I did notice that. Um, yeah, because I keep watching. I'm like, oh, let's see what they have to say about this one. And then nobody has nothing, anything to say about it. Nothing. I actually kind of like it, but I don't. You don't like the explications? Uh, only when it's when it, when it's our fave, Miss Angela Kane doing it. She's the only one I really enjoy listening to. Yeah, because she I mean, Eli Journey had some had some hot takes about uh, Dead City, and I didn't always watch his. And sometimes when I watched them, I disagreed with the yeah. things that he was pointing out. Yeah. But um, 
anyway, yeah, there isn't, there's nothing to, to stick around for after the show um, on Daryl Dixon, but we have our second episode in the bag. I believe the third episode actually goes up on AMC plus tonight as we're recording. Um, do you want to do an overall impressions? Are you still along for the ride? How are you feeling, AJ? Oh, I'm definitely along for the ride. Um, I think that, you know, and we th- we always have a couple of criticisms here and there. And my biggest criticism is still kind of where it was from the last one in that I think that there's some sort of like, uh, and we can, and there's like one big, very obvious piece where this happens in this, in this particular episode, but um, which is just, you know, the big bads, you know, somehow finding them and leaving, you know, finding these like clues. <laughs> oh my, my God. That was, that was, that was, that was terrible. That, in fact, I laughed really hard and I almost texted. But I was just like, are you kidding me? Um, are you kidding me with the giant map? <laughs> right? Yeah. A giant uh, map with yeah. helpful, like very specific cord. <laughs> anyway, coordinates. And also by happenstance, picking up a tape recorder. And it's always just in the right spot to hear that it's Daryl Dixon and whatever. <sighs> anyway, that aside, um, I did really love being able to see Paris um, pre- um, Yes! Saying that know was, that this is my favorite stuff. Was I what, was so excited about this it. This is what we were hoping to see. Um, and we see... Um, like um the so one of the main characters we see her impressions we get her backstory um and a lot of her backstory in this particular episode and a little bit of Laurent's backstory and immediately by the way I, I called that one long before they they showed it I think everybody hopefully got that conclusion before it came to pass but um, which one about Laurent the fact that he's related he was, to Isabel related to her it's like yeah I mean is that confirmed just from the end of this episode Maybe it is. It's pretty confirmed. It's heavily implied. Not heavily implied. I mean, he's. Oh, they. She calls him Laurent at the end. That's right. <laughs> it's pretty. It's much very there. heavily implied. <laughs> Extremely heavily implied. Um, but uh, seeing her like experience in Paris, and you know, they have to. I mean, they really lean hard on the fact that she's a pretty corrupt and party person in paris um a corrupt party person the um worst and time. i think and you know there's there's also like a convenient thing where somehow like she gets picked up randomly this this dude that she's connected with Otto, i think is his name i'm sure i i don't even know what his name is he's not introduced and i thought it was very convenient that he showed up and saved her right uh but could we just take a moment to to let's uh, talk about paris. for me to do a happy dance about this guy's introduction this actor is named Adam Negatis, I believe. God, where it's in my notes somewhere. Yeah, Adam Negatis. I see him get out of his Mercedes and I am cheering because this dude, first of all, I know he's coming back. There's no way this guy isn't coming back. That is a this dude is very much a loose thread, and he's probably the dad of Laurent, is my guess. But this is like an actor of this level. Uh he was the main the well. Yeah, one of the main antagonists in the first season of The Terror, which is a show I've talked about on this podcast before that you I don't think have ever seen because it is horrifying. He was so good in that. And I see him show up in this and I'm just like, oh, my God, he's going to be great. I can't wait. He's going to be back. Uh, He's probably the dad of Laurent is my guess, uh, given her sister's reluctance to tell her who the dad is. Um, So Hmm. that's my bet. Um, But but let's let's skip back a little bit. Because yeah, we, we we get to okay. see her like in all of like sort of like every single vice or like 
Yeah, well, certainly two two main vices. She doesn't kill anybody. Not yet. But she's certainly sniffing as much coke as she can, doing drugs and robbing people. And in robbing a, people, in a club. but also robbing people of like pretty expensive watches that I suspect they would notice are gone. Um, well, she's a uh, she's that good. She's that she's good. Just that um, good. And anyway, she's been sort of making the rounds and uh, doing what she's doing in this club, and finally, like, gets out. But we have some really amazing shots of the Eiffel Tower and Paris in general. And then I really loved how these things were sort of starting to unfold. And you have a couple of of moments where you think maybe something's happening in the club and that's going to happen there, but it doesn't fully yet. And she gets out into the street and just like it just starts to kind of like gain momentum. And yeah, yeah, the momentum. Exactly. You're right. Because that first incident on the street, she kind of like she walks away. She's looking shaken, but she's like, ah, you know, crazies. But then she goes to the subway. And it's also if you think about it in terms of, okay, think about how your everyday life is going. And if you see something that's a little bit like a like that has some dissonance, like, oh, this isn't this isn't normal, but it's late night in Paris. I'm out there. Um, Maybe people maybe there's some kind of person, you know, having an incident or whatever. And your instinct is like, okay, I'm going to get away from that, which is exactly what she does. Yeah. And then then it just gets much, much worse. Like the subway, the metro scene is incredible. It's that's so so good. That's so good. so good. The, the, the framing, <laughs> like you have each car going by. And so it's like most violent in the front of the train. And then you're watching the people reacting and, and like also having their own issues in the subsequent cars. And the the train kind of just seems to be going straight through the station too. Yeah, it doesn't but then suddenly stop. there's, there's zombies on the platform with her, even though the train didn't stop and people are running. And then, then it's completely on, right? Like, cause she goes upstairs uh, back onto the street and there's a car flipped over and there's people sp- running everywhere and uh, all hell's broken loose. I, I do agree that the, just the, uh, the ramping up of that one moment, as you said, of dissonance to just like everything is dissonance. Everything is, uh, is dystopian and, and horrible. And uh, God, it's the kind of sick unfolding of a poisonous flower that I love about zombie apocalypse being told from the moment of, uh, you know, the origin uh, and I'm hoping we get to learn even more about that in this in this uh, show, because France is the it's so funny that they made France the uh, culprit <laughs> for the zombie apocalypse. Right. But it's what it is. Yep. Uh-huh. So fantastic uh, series of scenes. It's a little bit broken up with flashing back to the present. I think so that we know that that's Isabel because she does look very different, even though she hasn't aged at all. Just the way that she's dressed. She doesn't look like a nun. No, uh, but then she's she's driving off in the streets with this uh, long haired British guy we, whose name I don't think we I know. Think it's Otto. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't remember if we do know. I think it might be Quinn oh. based on the Wikipedia okay, write up, but I don't maybe think maybe they I'm ever. S- up, maybe I'm making up his name. <laughs> it's totally I don't possible. I don't think they have a conversation where they where they say his name, but he is calling her Izzy or is. Mm-hmm. Isa or something like that. I don't really understand. Okay. I mean, we can talk about those scenes, I guess, separately, but I don't really understand how long they're driving together, but he's talking about going to the Dordogne, which is in Southern third of France. It's not quite Marseille, but it's in that direction. It's a long way from Paris. So they do have a long journey ahead of them. They do it in a car. So maybe they could just do it in a day. Yep. 
but I haven't done the math on how long it takes. And with, you know, uh, society breaking down, gas is probably not 100% reliable. I think that's a diesel. So maybe they could get further. But uh, they do seem to drive all the way to Marseille by the end of the episode. So she and her sister, at least. Um, but it's unclear how long they spend on this road trip, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, but uh, I, do and- think, I do think, though, the lead up even to them getting on the road trip is pretty cool. Like going back to the apartment, her yeah. sort of like and getting her sister, you get that background pretty quickly. Her sister's like, I'm not feeling well. And then there's this really like hard moment because they see the little neighbor, uh, Aime, oh. and, and she knows and she doesn't say anything. And uh, they just. Well, she tells her to go inside and she stay does, inside. But it's not like people are out here killing people, get inside kids. Well, it's suddenly gotten calm again. Yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. Day, the daylight is, you know, they're just driving down streets. Everything looks fine. For the most part. And I did just Until... look it up. It is Quinn. It is Quinn. And then, yeah. um, you know, he doesn't seem totally psyched that her sister's coming, but he sort of deals right. with it and that's fine. Um, but there's no there's no sense that they know each other from before. No. Right. But there kind of is, too. I don't know. It's weird. Like this relationship. I don't understand it yet. I'm hoping that'll become clearer. Or if they just met last night when he uh, sideswiped a zombie and told her to get in his car. No, I think there's definitely a prior relationship here. As I said, I'm pretty sure the dad of Laurent, but um, and I think that's how he's going to make his reappearance, or there's going to be something there. Um, We'll find out, like, well, or we won't. uh, But so these scenes are not all. We don't get all the way to Marseille in these flashbacks right away. They kind of unfold throughout the episode, but in the present time, uh, the two nuns, one of whom we still don't know her name. Um, and Laurent and Daryl are uh, traveling by mule-powered wagon yeah. uh, toward Paris from Marseille. They've gotten on the road. And this is where the moral of the episode is introduced, which I felt was kind of heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember. Maybe tell the truth, lie. Yeah, don't lie to children. Yep. But also lie to children. Uh, <laughs> the show doesn't quite figure out where it wants to land on that, but it's, it's also just presenting this, like, you know, it, it, she does it to Amy. She's like, just go inside, find your mother. She'll take care of yep. you. Cause uh, even though your papa didn't come home last night and mommy's crying on the telephone, you should go upstairs and be with your mother. I'm not going to tell you exactly what's going on, but there's, a, it's just, there's a lot of lying to children for good and bad reasons throughout this whole episode. But then they start, what was the, uh, do you remember what the conundrum was? Why were they lying to Laurent about, uh, and what were they lying to him about the nuns? Um, About his origin story, basically. Uh, so they basically told him that, I mean, they, he knows that his mother died, but they told him some, and whether it's the nuns or whether it's uh, Isabel, but told him that his dad was this like, hero who won medals to help to save friends from the yeah he trots all that out later a lot of a lot of like hyperbole and you know laurent gets uh a a dose of reality i guess um Uh, yeah eventually but daryl's already taking uh isabel to task and saying you shouldn't lie to him uh and she's like you clearly don't have kids this is what we do (laughs) this is how they lied to him in that instance they lied to him about um the uh oh the the mule whether or not it would survive they they let it go and you know they come up with this like very uh like eh, this very happy story that the mule's eating apples in an apple orchard that he's too smart he'll get away from the walkers which 
Daryl basically just sent him as bait and uh, knows that they will eventually catch up with him. Um, yeah, and, I mean, know, there were a lot of zombies. I feel like Daryl could have taken him, but I, I, I guess so. in France, okay. we don't know. We don't know when they're like special zombies at That's this point. True. So maybe he doesn't have the confidence anymore. He may but not. But OK, the one thing that I didn't like about that whole scene and how it was set up, it's like Daryl is very like seasoned in terms of like all these things, everything that he has done in the past, he's done these things. He's had interactions with mules. So asking why the mule won't shut up or whatever. It's like uh, they don't have mules in Alexandria or anywhere. Those are all horses. All right. Well, fine. And mules tend to be a little louder. Yeah, they do. But that. like still, he's not like it, it's it's not like he doesn't know what's going to happen that they're going to. I don't know. It just feels a little bit uh, convenient, let's say. Um, but anyway, that's just my take on it i don't like how they conveniently act like daryl is not um the badass he is or the oh I, okay i mean he does, he does a lot of badass stuff in this episode he does but in this particular that's what i'm saying it like is a direct contrast to some other like th this whole thing there was not that many walkers he probably could have just done his done what he was gonna do and been fine but yeah okay. i mean honestly the tactical error was riding into this town with narrow streets and penned in on either side that's what i'm saying like right. i just don't buy that he would be doing this but okay fine for the argument uh, that he did it and and they follow this scene up with uh of a tactical questionably yes. tactical approach with them walking through some forest uh and suddenly they hear they hear whistling yeah, and whistling. And, uh, I will say this: we always know whistling is never good. It's generally uh, not good, but it was a it was a jaunty tune as opposed to oh, a spooky savior whisper. It was whistle. So, um, but then he gets lured into what is so clearly an ambush. Like, I mean, maybe it's just my TV brain is working overtime, but someone fires an arrow at you, misses on purpose. It yeah, looks like you don't maybe follow not. them. You don't run after them down a hallway uh, only to get beaten in the back of the head by a giant hammer. doesn't show how they capture the others, but apparently they are all rolled up and it turns out to be by children dressed up as plague doctors. Um, this introduces this little faction of, of Lord of the Flies kids. They are problematic for me. Um in part because of their ages, their origin story, and why did they just roll up Daryl? I guess it was for supplies. He talks about them as being road bandits. Yep. Um, so maybe it was, but then they didn't, they don't, like, they bring them in because they turn out to be nuns, I guess, and they can recite this prayer, and that that impresses the leader of the group, Lou. Mm -hmm. um, Lou is, what? Do you, how old do you think Lou is? I would say probably about 14 or 15. Yeah. Maybe 18 and a, like a young looking 18 year old. Yeah. Um, they, she, you know, as the origin story of this school, this is a, this is a preschool where they've just been ever since. Right. And uh, the origin is that they were left there. Their parents never came to pick them up. And so they just stayed there with their teacher. There's 18 kids, I think she says, but uh, many of them are, under 10 years old. I don't know. Like, did they talk about how they got these younger children who were clearly born after the apocalypse? They said that they found them in the woods or they were abandoned. That's how they got the younger kids. 
uh, and they just didn't keep the parents or the adults. Well, no, that, Any they were adults not, that... that they did not have adults attached to them. Just I think is random, the random orphans that they found okay. wondering about or that, rescued. That is helpful. And I, I'm sorry that I'm a little behind the eight ball because I was just like, wait, it's clearly at least 12 years. Maybe no. If if you take uh, the timeline from the end of season 11, when Daryl rides off in search of Rick and Michonne, we think, or just something, as he likes to say on this show, it was 13 years after the uh, first episode of Walking Dead. Based on, you know, fan calculations anyway, it was like 12.87 years later. Uh, and so anybody who, <laughs> you know, all these kids... Laurent and Laurent is another one of these people who was born basically at the beginning. He's like a uh, Judith in that his age equals, mm. you know, Z day yeah, yeah, some, yeah. on some level. Pretty much. Yep. Uh, so, okay. That, that, that was not the mystery that I was thinking it might've been, but we do still have this, this troop of kids and they did have an adult with them and they kind of still do uh, in uh, Madame Dubois. And so, you know, the the nuns are are welcomed in because of their ability to recite this prayer. Daryl is called Father Daryl. Um, there was a funny joke here where um, Isabel is like, yeah, he's, you know, a priest from America. He doesn't speak French. And Lou is like, even after all this time. And Isabel just says, well, he's an American. <laughs> yeah, that's like, yeah, thanks. Don't <laughs> some shade. Uh, fair hey, you know what? If you can't throw shade in a in a Walking Dead show at America in general, and it's not the first time and the only time in this episode, yeah, it yeah. is the first time. But the uh, the second time is is even more you of a do uh, a lot at the expense of Daryl. But yeah, yeah, that's all. not at the expense of Daryl, but the expense of Americans. Because yeah, yeah, when they introduce really. RJ later, that's not correct, a great look correct. for us. Not a good look, but it's fair. So anyway, um, it, so yeah. Uh, they have this whole like thing going on with uh, Daryl and and you know I do like how the minute they re- they kind of think that that he's a priest and they're nuns the kids are suddenly like all over him in like a good way. Do you yeah. Think, like the little kids are like clinging to him and kids always like Daryl. Like I don't him. understand it. They like him. Um, yeah. So that was kind of fun. And then they have this whole thing where it's like they do have this whole system in place. They're making dinner. Um, and then they reveal that the reason why all this was held together was because of their teacher, Ma- Madame Dubois, and she's very sick. Um, and this is like another piece where, you know, Daryl and Isabel and Sylvie, who we now know her name. Um, oh, it is. Okay. I missed that too. I guess I was not really paying close geez, attention to this episode. Stuart. Um, anyway, uh, Sylvie and the three of them see the teacher and it's not looking good um and but she's the reason why they've had this sort of uh way to survive and in a good way and and they're they have these systems in place um and you know they then sit down for this pretty this dinner and daryl's prayer is pretty funny (laughs) like i mean it could have it could have been worse right He's just like, you know, God, you probably inflicted this dystopian, you know, horror show upon us because of how mean we were to each other. I think it's really well framed for children. And and I think that that's that's pretty smart writing for um, Daryl to say that that way. You know, even though he's just kind of waffling and being not being particularly religious, he's like, this is karma. <laughs> it's karma. We deserve it. But not today. Today's cool. I liked it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, I thought uh, honestly, and then, and, what I thought he might do is like kind of like parrot something like that Father Gabriel had said or something. Uh, which he I, probably heard enough prayers from yeah, Gabriel yeah, yeah. over the years. Take it. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then he teaches them all how to slurp soup, which isn't just another like he's just a clearly a um, bad influence on these children who have been raised to have good manners. Uh, no later, the, no sooner than does Sylvie compliment them on their table manners that then Daryl begins to slurp his soup and all the kids love that so much. Which is funny. Uh, OK, so then they make a plan to go after this guy called the Tarask. Which is, uh, and they all have all these pictures of him drawn as a lizard. I don't understand the origin of this, but uh, a Tarasque is a mythological creature. Uh, they've so they've ascribed some sort of mythological power to this individual who lives in the woods uh, near them and takes everything, like has looted all of the uh, nearby towns and has all the medicine. Well, that's the presumption is that he has all the medicine. And um, apparently he has some children there, too, because they've sent kids there before. Yep. Uh, One second. So, yeah, the the, the next day, it's it's kind of Lou and Daryl set out. But um, leaving Laurent, Laurent with Isabel and Sylvie, Isabel and Sylvie are there kind of like caring for the comatose Madame Dubois. I was convinced that she was going to reanimate as a zombie this entire episode. Me too. I'm kind of glad that that didn't happen. It, that was like a, you know, like to see that wreaking havoc amongst these children would have been kind of traumatic. So I'm glad they didn't do that. Agree. It's it's traumatic enough to the, like have this community of kids. I mean, they could have had it like where the kids were more than able to take care of themselves, which you would hope, but they didn't even, they didn't even go there. Um, so that was good. They just really had the older kids, in in situations of of uh you know direness um but daryl and lou kind of make their way to this castle i think there's other flashbacks happening in between lots of these scenes which is why it, it it's a little bit uh broken up in my memory too um but daryl has basically lied to lou about why he wants to um go to the tarasque and that's what he really wants is a horse so they can get back on the road um, and get home slash to Paris. Uh, he and Isabel have had some disagreements about the route that they wanted to take. She's trying to pers persuade him to go a different way, right? Isn't that what the, some of the discussion is at the beginning of the episode? They're yeah, looking at a map together. He, He's like, Paris is the is the key. And she's saying something different. Yeah, like, so she, he she tries to, like, talk about... Um... Uh, like how the plan has changed and they should go in a different direction. And he's like, it's just going to take longer. He just, he really just wants to get to a radio. He wants to get back home. Um, yeah. I don't, I think she doesn't want to go back to Paris maybe because she's worried about Quinn. I have confirmed that it's definitely his name, not Otto. I don't know where I got that from. Um, but um, you know, uh, like, or maybe it's like, her memories we we definitely see a lot going on with with like her memory of her sister um and this whole thing that they did when they ended up at the um the monastery or the convent the right? abbey the yeah. abbey um 
So, and I do think that it's implied just based on her interactions with Quinn that there's a lot of, there's things that we don't know that I think will probably be revealed that probably what we have seen of her behavior and um, just in general uh, is probably just the tip of the iceberg. So there might be some things going on there in Paris that she does not, does not want to confront. Um, and, you know, so there's that as well. Um, yeah, uh, we can imagine she's got plenty of baggage in Paris, although most of it should be dead by now because, uh, I mean, her lifestyle definitely was a scorched earth true. sort of approach uh, before. So she might run into some people in addition to this Quinn guy who she had wronged. In yeah, the... that's what I'm thinking is that there's got to be yeah. more to it than just him, like, and, yeah, or that he's part of a larger something going on. And, um, and that she might not have just been chilling at the Abbey this entire time. She might have already been back to Paris uh, for other right. reasons because she's part of this network. Right. And the um, thing that really struck me just about their interactions, I mean, we don't get too much from him in terms of what's going on. There's a lot of mystery there. We don't really understand what his role is other than the fact he says something to her right before she steals his car and runs away um, that, you know, he, he always takes care of her, doesn't he? He also seems to have a pretty deep uh, bench of connections and resources, enough so that they're going to be able to be safe during this for as far as she knows, like th- wherever they're going, um, He's making some comments about it, so we don't know exactly what the situation is. Um, but he is very much like, we're not going to take your pregnant sister. Yeah. Um, so, uh, like, again, I still suspect he's probably the dad, but hard to know. It could just be he did not want that baggage. So I think we're going to find out a lot more. I think he's going to reappear and it's probably going to be awesome. He's I didn't see the terror, but I like in the limited amount of time that we see him on the screen, it says a lot. You know, like we see a lot about his character um he and the two of them together are really like it's a really cool little dynamic so we're gonna see cool in the sense that it's very damaged and weird um and so we (laughs) we shall see what happens um and so i suspect maybe these are the pieces that makes her not want to uh not want to go back to to pouty um but we um, will we'll soon see uh, in the present, Daryl has locked Lou in a shed after she found him like a little hand plow to cl- uh, hopefully be a grappling hook and climb over the drawbridge bridge to this literal castle, which is where the Tarascas hold up. Uh, and he has a moat full of zombies. It's kind of a great system, honestly. Um, yeah, I turns love out that the like- zombies are like the, the sort of like present day uh, crocodiles or whatever it yep. might be, the moat monsters, which I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah, this is this is kind of like a lot of people have have speculated about this sur- zombie survival method. It's it's one of the vignettes in uh, in um, what the hell is Max Brooks' book called? Why am I in, losing my mind? Oh, World War Z. Uh, it's one of the vignettes where they have survivors in England who have access to water because castles were built around wells, often or water sources. And so they were considered great zombie survival um, locations. In this case, they've just said it here in France. And instead of a Frenchman, uh, a French aristocrat being the one uh, living there, we eventually meet this character named RJ, uh, but not before Daryl finds um, a French kid named Erison, 
who goes, "Hey, Harrison." It's like, no, it's every soul, like <laughs> no, hedgehog. Yeah, definitely <laughs> another very funny uh, back and forth. <laughs> and yeah. the kid's like, "Fine, it's hedgehog." It was so good. <laughs> Call me hedgehog. Call the me kid hedgehog. has a lot of uh, moxie. I kind of like this kid. I, I hope do. he shows up again because he's like, like he's. He's constantly yelling um, when when Daryl's sneaking up on RJ and they're having like a sniper battle uh, across the courtyard of the castle. Um, you can hear a er- uh, hedgehog yelling at him like, you, you suck. <laughs> so this kid, this kid is fun. I want him to stick around, but I don't he does definitely doesn't come with them at the end of the episode. So maybe that's it. Yeah. But uh, in a short time, he definitely won me over. Um who does not win anybody over though is RJ uh, when Daryl disarms him. And uh, then suddenly they realize they're both Americans in, in France. RJ is a Texan Lone Star state. He's like ca- talking about uh, politics. He's ta- he's talking about like patriotism. This guy has like no idea what's going on. Um, and uh, he, and this guy is played by um, an actor named Ned Dennehy, who is really good at playing scumbags. He doesn't even get close to the level of scumbag that he can in this short role because he doesn't last super long. But uh, if you haven't seen The Peripheral or Peripheral, um, which is another show on Prime, I think it was an original. It's it's uh, an adaptation of a William Gibson novel. Uh Dude has a three episode arc in that show that is super scumbaggy. If you want to catch Ned Dennehy doing some more uh, scumbag stuff. But as RJ, he is just kind of like a a time capsule of a certain kind of asshole. Oh, totally. But not now in France. Mm hmm. Um, And And also, I thought that there was sort of like recognition by Daryl of, oh, I now see exactly who I'm dealing with here. <laughs> it was like that. Yes, that. And the guy basically repeats or says to Daryl, like, all we want to do is get home to our loved ones. Right. Right, man. And that's exactly what Daryl's been trying to do. So it is. it does actually speak to him on some level. But then he realizes, no, this guy thinks that there's actually still a Texas. Yep. Uh, because he hasn't he's he'd been in, stuck in France, probably in this castle, just screwing over the locals for the last 10 years. Yep. Um. Though I have to say, I'm a little bit like the fact I thought there was going to be somehow more than one guy. Um, right. Or, one guy in a castle. Is or wild. that he would be somehow more slightly more competent because it feels like the kids are so way more competent than this guy is. Um, well, they they are out to teach Daryl the lesson of teamwork in this episode, too, because he locks up Lou to be like, I'm better alone and you're going to be safer in here. Yep. And then they have to bail him out and be like, are you still better alone? So, you know, there's a little, some of the moralizing or the, the, the lessons kind of in this episode are a little bit uh, on the head, on the nose, yeah. but it doesn't, you know, it's still, it's still good TV. Uh, and, and RJ keeps saying things like, Oh, la la about some of the stuff that he has, or like they're the opportunities that he and Daryl could, uh, could pursue together. Uh, he does it twice before they end up in the moat through some a weird series of events that leads them both to be in the moat. And uh, Daryl and, and RJ is still tied up and has a horrible death because uh, there's lots of zombies down there. And he's right at feeding height, <laughs> hanging from his hands. Um, and Daryl gets to use his little morning star, which was a lot of fun to watch him um, wielding that thing around. And then 
blowing up the propane that he had dropped in there and stuff before he's ultimately rescued by the children. Um, do you have any uh, any observations that you want to throw in about those scenes before we get to him being rescued and then another um, lie being unveiled? No, I, I mean, I think that pretty much is it. Like he, of course, he makes a comment about being alone and we know that this is going to end up uh, probably with the kids rescuing him. I thought it was just going to be her rescuing him, but it ends up being like, you know. So- yeah, because the, the shed door is uh, thrown open and a hooded person a figure is silhouetted there this shades of michonne in the woods a little bit totally right felt like it right yeah yeah but it, this felt like um anticlimactic then when it turned out just to be a guy one of the kids from her camp yeah move uh, named move who's there kind of looking for his older brother but yeah that felt like a bit of a pump fake on the part of the of uh, the show they're like oh who is this new I honestly got excited for a minute that it was going yeah. to be somehow Michonne. Um, but <laughs> She's gotten all the not, way to France. Although he was a little shorter, so, you know, all good. But, yeah, no, I totally thought, I was like, wait, is this going to be, is this, like, something they have managed not to have a spoiler about? But anyway, no, it was Moof. Um, Just Moof. And- but between Moof, Hedgehog, and Lou, they are able to uh, quickly devise a way to get Daryl out of the moat. Um, but then Moof looks down into the moat and sees his brother, Julian, and accuses Lou, who has been telling the kids that Julian and Hedgehog were had gone for help and that they'd be back soon. Uh, and he says, well, you lied to me. And she's like, well, I had told them that because, you know, Madame Dubois was sick. I didn't know what else to do. And Daryl's like, you did the right thing. Uh, so, yeah, but this the episode- is, so this is the only thing that bothers me about all these little like you know, questionable He's lying, lying to children. Um, it's it's to me, this is treating children like they're dumb, which they're not. And they've lived in this world for how long? And this is we're talking about like at least a decade at this point, probably. Right. Um, where they've been living in this this world. And well, some of them are not a decade old. For no, sure. No, like I mean, but but, you know, the older children yeah, Moof is Moof is like ten or tw- or eleven or twelve or something. And yeah, they've been living in this long enough that the realities, the harsh realities of all of this, and are just they're there. And I just don't. They they have lived in this world enough, and they've probably seen enough people die in this way. Um, similarly, well, maybe Laurent is a slightly different case because he's been very sheltered in the Abbey and maybe hasn't seen a lot. Although he did see the his father. Die, like the meaning the priest um, Pere, Pere Jean, yeah. Pere Jean, um saw him turn into a walker so it's like he's not entirely innocent about what the world is out there and then you know for for them to so easily believe and maybe it's that they're just believing because they want to believe and that's fine too but it feels like there is a naivete surrounding this storyline that I it's hard for me to fully accept that these children aren't going to be punching holes in some of this like i think move maybe like he really was in denial that his brother's dead but the fact that he just bought this thing that oh they're out on a thing and they're coming back like she's the only one who came back right like they've seen this before they've seen people leave and die and yeah um, so that felt a little to me that storyline piece felt a little forced and similarly with laurent i mean i guess that's sort of where they're going with his story is that there yep. is an innocence that's going to be lost here and that is being lost 
that some of this was done out of protection for him, but he's not a dumb kid. Like he And not. unfortunately, the cost of this loss of innocence is that he doesn't really trust his caretakers as much right. as he used to. Right. So, yeah, honesty probably would have been a better policy uh, in both of these cases. And that's that's ultimately the moral that we're looking at, because when they uh, the, by the end of the episode, as they're leaving the, the school, Laurent is like, I don't want to even go with you guys. You guys, uh, you know, this is dumb. I don't want to. This is dumb. Uh, but Moof doesn't really give he basically just says, look, you can't leave Julian like this. You have to shoot him. And uh, while Lou is about to do it, Daryl bails her out and puts a crossbow bolt in Julian's head instead, saving her from having to do that, which she was not looking forward to doing. Right. But that's like the end of the moral lesson for Lou is like, oh, you lie to a kid. You're going to have to do something you don't want to do. Right. And whereas the grownups, I think, are going to still reap the whirlwind of having lied to Laurent and having raised him in this sort of um, sheltered way. And yeah, he is, he is way more naive than anybody like, cause, and he starts to get a hint of that when all the other kids are laughing at him as he's reciting all the bullshit that his uh, caretakers have been telling him his whole life. Like that my dad joined the foreign legion and won medals in the zombie wars. And they're like, Oh, come on, man. <laughs> Yeah. Sounds made up. Well, what they say is, is like, what was your father, the Count of Monte Cristo, yeah. which is like, yeah. you know, it's it's good fantasy. Um, and then they do. Yeah. Like and oh, the the whole thing, uh, the Mork and Mindy thing, too. I oh, that was great. I was I really wanted more exposition on the Mork and Mindy religion that they were <laughs> they were doing. And they were like, yeah, I mean, it was actually kind of sweet. Um but and I liked that Daryl recognized it because he's American, but that Isabel was like and Sylvie were like, what is this? You know, like it was pretty funny. Um, so, you know, so they I think it's like one episode that they have that they all just kept watching and have some kind of bike uh, rigged to it to do the the power source, I guess. Um, but yeah, that was kind of funny that they have this whole thing surrounding it and even when their teacher finally dies um they're sort of memorial and and laurent's is like nanu nanu and they're all like nanu nanu and so this is this weird <laughs> thing uh surrounding this which i thought was actually kind of sweet and awesome yeah uh, no, that was that was amazing um yeah and and yeah that was interesting that laurent was just trying to get in with these kids too like he felt like an outsider for half of the episode gets his way in there again by saying, oh, Hebu, you know, my, what do you say? My mother's with the angels too. And then yeah. they, he's like welcomed back in. And then suddenly he's uh, starting to lead them through Nanu Nanus together. Fantastic stuff. Yep. Um. So, but he doesn't want to go with everybody when, or with the nuns and Daryl when they're ready to leave. They just, they don't really have to work too hard at it. They're just like, come on, man. He's like, oh, okay. And he kind of goes with them. It's not that easy with my children. I wish I could uh, figure out a way to do that. When they say, I'm not, I don't want to do something. It's usually like, all right, I will have to pick you up and carry you to the place. Uh, luckily, Laurent is a little less headstrong. Um, the, but then Daryl gets down off the wagon and is walking with Laurent. And I'm trying to remember, did they have any dialogue? No. Nope. At the no. very end of the episode? Or they, is he just doing that to be near him? It's he says no one ever called me special when I was a kid. Oh at yeah, least yeah. Not a, at least not, not in a good way. way. <laughs> I don't want to be special, says Laurent. 
Uh, and then, yeah, Isabel is just flashing back to the his birth, which was horribly traumatic. And uh, the, the reveal that this kid was born out of a dead mother, a zombie, like a mother who had died and reanimated is kind of insane. Yeah. And that's the whole thing, like why he has this mythology around him. And I was like, oh, is this where? Oh, this is where they're going, that he's this like. He was born while she was turning. They get him out. And I mean, Father Jean saved his life. This got him out. And then, you know, he's handed to Isabel and she walks into the walks down this like line of nuns hanging out there. And then some crazy visuals there. Like yeah. the door is the door opens. Fa- Pere Jean is basically actively doing an exorcism on yep. zombie Lily, his mother, uh, on Laurent's mother as Isabel holding the baby walks through that corridor of nuns all doing uh make, making the sign of the cross at them until she ends up in a in a room with a statue of a saint Saint Laurent who is carrying a big spatula what is up with that I don't understand it uh and there's like oh yeah I guess that's that's who you are who is Saint Laurent what do we need to know about this guy uh so well what I was going to say the inter- one interesting thing about this scene with Père Jean is that he knows what's happening to Lily or they have an idea when they see the bite and they're um, prepping her for, you know, childbirth. There's, there's looks exchanged between them, um, between all the people that are helping where I think that they know what's going to happen to her um, or they know that something they have seen, the either the the you know the the walkers or whatever it is and they know that maybe it's transmitted by bite which i find interesting because you know it seems like this is somewhat new um you know like that this is a new uh, situation and they're sort of isolated so you would think that they wouldn't know as much but clearly they do so when she is struggling and she dies and her sister said, uh, Isabel says, oh, she's still, you know, twitching or whatever. They're like, yeah. get, they're they're like, get back. Like they knew what was going to happen. And I guess my other question is, given what they think about the walkers that they're like, that they're possessed or that they'll come back or whatever. I guess my question is, where is Lily now? Or what, is, is they, Lily still kicking around somewhere? Yeah. Her, were they keeping her somewhere? Like, what is the situation? But what was your question? It was about St. Laurent and what his deal is? Uh, I guess the the big spatula is actually how he was killed uh, in his martyrdom. He was cooked. He was cooked to death. Yeah, yeah. So fantastic stuff. Uh, That's Uh, horrible. He is he is a patron saint of children. I think. Am I wrong about that? Uh, He's a patron saint of comedians, archivists, librarians, students, miners, tanners, chefs. Because lots of locations. That's a little dark. That's a little dark. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, roasters, the poor, and firefighters are all oh. his patron saint uh, like professions. Oh my gosh, this is really rough. Um, yeah, it's not a great story, but it's Catholicism after all. So what do you expect? After the martyr had suffered pain for a long time, the legend concludes he cheerfully declared, I'm well done on this side. Turn me over. Oh, yeah. it's weird that he's a patron saint of cooks. That's really messed up, chefs. Yep. Oh gosh. It's messed up. But maybe that's why he's the patron saint of comedians as well. I don't know. And speaking of comedy, uh, so after this scene with Daryl saying nobody ever called me special and Isabel and goes back into the birth scene and they have that amazing shot of her walking through all the nuns. 
we flash, I think, again to Kodron, who's now walking around the abbeys, looking at the bodies of his uh, dead men who were not buried. I kind of appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only buried um, and the nuns, you know, handled the dead of the the nuns. Uh, but then he does find so conveniently the tape recorder that Daryl had left his message on That's saying fun. where he's from, what his name is, <laughs> uh, and then walks over to this giant map with the, the red thread go- and the radio frequencies that they're going to be on. It's so bad. It's so bad. Like, why couldn't they just have one fragment of it be left? Not the entire thing. The entire plan, right? Which they have, apparently have another copy of on the road with them. Like, Come on, guys. But why would you? I mean, okay, you know you're leaving this thing behind. You know that these guys are probably going to go into, like, why would you leave this much evidence or clues about what you were about? You just wouldn't. And you know Kudron got away. Like You, you just know he's wouldn't. still alive. That is <sighs> that is all the, the answer. Like, you just wouldn't. That is the answer. But anyway, yeah. I guess we it's, have to accept it because that's what they're doing. It's what's happened. Not not something that I'm really on board with. I'm hoping that they don't do more of this BS. But, you know, that's the that's the one thing that just really stuck out as a negative um, for this episode. Otherwise, I really yeah. actually liked a lot of the things in this. I really liked I did like the backstory about Laurent. I did like the backstory about Isabel. Um, I don't know why she wouldn't tell him his true backstory. I mean, I guess it's dramatic and this is why they think he's special in all of this kind of mythology that they're building up around him yeah maybe she just like got got bit by the uh you know the the religion bug a little too much after she became a nun and she just she can't bring herself to do it but she's clearly she at some point she was a very practical thief in paris so we know that she has a different skill set and a different mentality at least yeah uh, or she has had one in the past so we'll see uh, as her character will probably evolve now that Sylvie has a name, I'm really hoping she doesn't die right away. I kind of want her to stick around. I think she's the little girl in the Abbey after you see her really briefly. They she's like call a... her Sylvie, so I think it's her. Yep. They do? Oh, my gosh. How did I? I missed so many details this Stuart, episode. Remember, how did you watch this, my friend? It was a third screen scenario. Ah, uh, there you go. <laughs> I um, was taking notes, but, I, uh, you know, whatever. Right, uh, not, I have another my, question. not my finest. I have another question for you, because I did watch it once with out and then i watched it a second time with subtitles um because i needed the subtitles <laughs> so maybe maybe that's why and i think some information is probably in the subtitles okay um, but you know um and again part of why i watched it without the first time is that as we've seen a lot of the times when you have like translations or things like that it isn't always um accurate in terms of yeah. like, the the translation so i kind of wanted to see it before and i will say like some of the translations aren't quite there but um as far as i know my french is not the best but it's it's you know at least like i can generally understand the gist um and so some of that was a little bit you know i think putting in some things for american audiences but um but i think if you watched it with the subtitles you might have a little bit more of this just saying Okay. Um, well, I just need to pay better I'm excited. attention. I'm excited to watch the next episode. Um, I think that this, honestly, this is exactly what I was hoping Dead City would be. Um, a little bit more. I mean, this is definitely like a hero's journey kind of feeling. Um, I love the new um, location. I love that it's like, you're like, I thought that's, that's what they were going to do a little bit more in New York is sort of see 
the before times there and they just didn't do any of that. It honestly could have been for the most part on any movie set or whatever. And here, even though they do, you know, they couch a little, you know, we definitely see the Paris scenes. Um, And so when they flip back to the present, we're, you know, yes, they're in this like sort of more um, less urban environment and it could probably be anywhere but i think that they do the set the sets are done well enough and obviously they are filming on location um that it's obvious that it's paris or at least europe um and so i like this total change in location for the the series so i think that that's kind of cool um and i do like generally how the story's going i mean the holes in the in the in the, the plot holes are annoying but they're not I'll tolerate them because I think everything else is pretty decent. And I think we're going to see a lot more as they, a lot more as they get closer to the Paris. The one part that I'm feeling very iffy about is, you know, the whole gorilla guy, what's his face. Um, that whole thing. Podron. Yeah. And I, and I think he's probably connected obviously to the bigger, big bad here, but like. He is connected to the lady yeah. uh, who is apparently named Janae or something yeah. like that, because he did talk about Laurent being a good soldier for Janae. Yep. Well, but, why he would reference someone who's in La Havre, right? Like so, like they're just yeah. The the distances between these factions feels massive. Yeah. So anyway, a lot more to come, but overall, I'm really enjoying it. I think that um, visually, it's awesome. I love, and again, that I feel like that Metro zombie scene is probably one of my favorite scenes that I've seen in a really long time. Like yeah, that, whole, no, that was incredible. That was just so awesome. Um, it was it was they didn't even spend a huge amount of time on it. I imagine they had to do a few takes because there's a lot happening. And then there's great Foley work with the glass breaking, which you don't even necessarily have to see. Mm-mm. You can just figure it out. I don't know. Yeah, that was a fantastic scene. Yep. So I really, really love nice. that. More of that, please. I um, like that they named their mule Asterix. Yeah. Uh, and R.I.P. Asterix. I, mean, I don't think we actually said that, but yeah, when Laurent finds the body of the mule, um, he's that's where his like his world comes crashing down. Oh, he's like, oh my god, you've been lying to me. Uh, so we'll find out how he how he does uh, in future episodes. I'm hoping that they don't get to Paris next episode. I think they do, but I would be happy with one more on the road episode. Yeah, I agree. Um, because I'm I'm a little worried that Paris will feel like Dead City, and I don't want it to. Yeah, agree. I'm worried. Um, I'm worried about that too. But maybe, maybe we will see a little bit more of what we saw in this episode. Um, so we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. Um, <laughs> but anything else to add? No, I believe that's about it. We can uh, we can continue this next time on Reanimated. And if you want to let us know what you think about this show or any uh, thoughts about the zombie stuff out there, give us a holler, reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com. And all of our episodes are online at reanimated.podbean.com. So, um, and thank you, everybody, for listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts. So, so give us a, drop us a line if you're so inclined. Um, and then until next time, um, I am still going to say ciao or goodbye or whatever because I just don't want to say it in French and be made fun of as an American. A bientôt. No, the thing is, when you try, then you're you're making an effort, and then that gets you a little bit of respect. I guess it just still it's still embarrassing. The judgment, the judgment. Anyway, the judgment. Um. All right. Real or, amer- or Real imagined? Or imagined. True. True. All right. Until next time. See ya. Bye.